0: Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I find that a really interesting passage for the church to give us in the midst of the season of Easter, the season of resurrection. And again, remembering that we are not in Pentecost yet. We are still in this Easter season when we hear the stories of the disciples, those who are following Jesus, bumping into Jesus three times and still not recognizing him. Running into Jesus and saying, oh, wait a minute, was it after the fact that we recognized this was Jesus? But not while we were talking with this person face to face. Because they're in that place where they don't quite know exactly what's going on. Still. Still. And as we've said all season of Easter, that's where we have to hold ourselves, not like we already get it, but wondering, what does it mean that Christ is resurrected? What does it mean that the risen one is in our midst? I mean, they, as we've said many times, were expecting one thing, and he certainly turned out to be something else. I mean, think about what we even told you and promised you back in Advent, when we read those texts the second week of Advent with John the baptizer and saying, When this one comes, the mountains will be brought down and the valleys filled in and everything will be level. We told you that's what's coming, right? Where God's realm, God's reign would be about where those who are in rule and those who are in authority would be living out the will of God. That's what we're looking for. And Jesus turns out to be anything but that the one who would take away the pain and the hurt and restore and level. But wait a minute, the Romans are still here. And the Romans are still in charge. And really, Jesus is really not that significant to the Romans. He's just one more box to check off on one more day of what it means for the empire to keep things in order. Who's on the list today? There were three on that day. Check, box, done. Got him out of the way. Not exactly... The inbreaking of the kingdom that they were looking for and so now they're having to figure out what is resurrection what is new life are we really any safer than we were before but yet they are bumping into some things even in their fear they keep getting together and they're sharing stories and they're sharing food going about their day-to-day things and the stuff is raising up And they are leaving us those stories of what it was like for them. And so today they leave us yet another story of trying to grasp what is resurrection? What does it mean if the resurrected ones in our midst? And they give us phrases like, if you keep my word, then God is in you. And I and God, the father, God, the mother will come and abide in you and make our abode in you. That right there is worth a few sermons. What does it mean that God, well, first of all, what's an abode? What's a domus? What does it mean, therefore, that God has chosen to abode, abide, reside in us? That God's already in us completely, fully. We're here. We're hanging out in you. But then we get to this other line, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Which makes me think about Jesus' peace and the world's peace, and what's the difference? And so I want to ask you for a moment, if you were to define the world's peace, how would you do that? Take a few seconds. What, what would you, how would you define it? What would it look like, the world's peace? Well, perhaps some definitions that we as a country use for the peace. You know some of these statistics. 54% of our annual U.S. budget every year goes for military. Just a little under $700 billion every year to bring peace, supposedly, or safety. I don't know what exactly, but something is what we're saying in that transaction. We are going to spend $700 billion every year and I really don't like to be snarky in sermons because I think snarkiness as a general practice is really deadly. But I want to say, how's that working for us? Right? $700 billion a year for the world's peace. More than the next seven countries combined spend on their military, including Russia, China. What are we looking for? What do we think peace is? Amen, sister. You've heard me say before, the real reason Episcopal clergy are married is so we know how to talk with children talking. Put that in your theological reflection. What is the price of peace? What is peace? Jesus' peace. We've certainly been asking this question in our Koinonia journey What brings peace in communities? What is Jesus's peace in community? And we've certainly learned some things it's not. We know it's not charity. We understand that charity is truly toxic, deadly. You think of how long America has been participating in charity. And you know the statistics about the educational inequities between black children and white children. You know the incarceration differences, and the inequities in America. If charity would do it, how many billions do we spend on charity every year? We know it's not just programs. We've been doing programs for generations, and the inequities grow, because what we've been learning is that true peace is found in relationship. It shouldn't surprise us who are connected to Jesus but it takes people like Brian Stevenson saying if you want to be part of the community you got to be proximate you got to be in the community you can't just stand from afar and say we know what you need thank you but we have to be in a community to know not only what are the things that we need to work on but what's the strength what's the resource that's already there that we don't recognize Without relationship, there's no way to know those things. And it was also what was being talked about last Friday morning here in Asheville when folks got together with members of the Dogwood Trust. And you remember what the Dogwood Trust is. Sold the hospital. There's a massive amount of money that's being put into trust for health equity, health resources in this region. Kicking out every year about 50 to 55 million dollars. You know, as the saying goes, a million here, a million there. 55 million dollars suddenly available in this region to be pumped in. And for good reason, we're asking how does that money best create health equity? How does that money best recognize health that's here in the system already? How do we resist the temptation to once again say, we know what you need and and we'll provide it? And folks were saying to the board, these are the questions that need to be considered. And they said things like, we are not there for the community, we are the community. That's how we have to approach this. Trust matters, and trust is a critical thing and it's not easy, and it takes time, and it takes relationship building. If we are to find peace, Jesus' is peace, if we are to find equity, it means being in community. And for most of us white folks, it means getting out of where we are right now and getting to know folks. One of our national theologians, Chris Rock, someone you listen to with the adults, yes, but truly one of our national court jesters, has said, you know, all the stuff about interracial friendships, you know, all my black friends have a lot of white friends, and all my white friends have one black friend. (laughs) You see, that's what court jesters do. They get us laughing, and then we're going like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to ask a raise of hand. But if we are going to find Jesus' peace, it means considering things Particularly, it means considering what it means to be white in America. Now, fact of the matter is, we don't have to do that. That question has never really been raised much for us as a community. What does it mean to be white in America? And we don't have to, because the system works great for white folks. I mean, go to banks, go to stores, get pulled over by the police. That stuff works for us. And... If we want to know Jesus' peace, we have to consider why is it in 2019 that the U.S. Senate is 93% white and the House of Representatives is 86% white and the Supreme Court is 83% white? Because like the Roman Empire, we are incredibly efficient at keeping power. In 2019, I mean, if you really want to be disheartened, go to the U.S. Senate website, and and just put in diversity in the U.S. Senate. And they will show you a list, 10 African-Americans, 8 Asian-Americans, 9 Latinx-Americans, 3 Native-Americans, which sounds pretty cool until you realize that's in the whole history of our country. Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, well, that's not really too bad, I guess, that's a good start. And then I realized they had dates next to all the names. And I went, oh, it was like that Chris Rock moment. Oh, we need to explore what this means in a way we've never done before. If you've not had the chance to start the Seeing White podcast, please do. You don't have to as a white person. Your life will just keep working if you don't, if I don't. But if we are going to find Jesus' peace, we need to know and wrestle with and be made uncomfortable by the questions that raises. Why is it today in America, 93% of our lawmakers, 86% of our lawmakers are white? What's that all about? Last week, Millie and Naomi and I attended a conference at Vanderbilt Divinity School called the Public Theology and Racial Justice Collaborative. And at that gathering, the dean of the Divinity School, Dr. Emily Towns, said, In this work, we need to listen and learn. And we need to push ourselves beyond our limits in this work. We need to be where we are twitchy and fearful For that is our limit." I love that she used the word twitchy. (laughs) Right? I mean, you know, she could have... We go to seminary to learn some big, honkin' words, you know? And she's the dean of the seminary. She could have talked about, you know, human cultural anxiety and separation. You know, and we'd all be going, Oh, man, yes, I understand what you're saying, Dr. Towns." But this head of the seminary says, We've got to go to those places where we get twitchy. Because you know what twitchy means, right? I mean, you get that, right? You know what that means. When your body starts acting up. That's twitchy. That's a deep theological term. And she's saying, for us, we have to get into the place where we're twitchy. The Easter stories are twitchy stories. Listen to them. Their bodies are in a funk. They are scared to death, literally. Because the Romans are just waiting to gather them up. And they keep gathering and saying, what are the questions we need to ask? What are the ones that we're afraid of? Do we just flee? Or do we hang with one another in the twitchy questions? And that's what I'm hearing in the resurrected life. We're being asked to be present to twitchy questions. Don't seek the world's definition of safety and peace because it's a myth and it's a deadly one and it's a demonic one. When the bishop was here, and last week at 9 a.m. when we baptized those children and we said, we renounce Satan and all the spiritual powers of this world, we weren't just being cute Episcopalians. We're saying there are times when things are demonic. However you want to define that, they are deadly. And our definition of safety and peace is killing us, all of us. Seek my peace, Jesus said, which is found in gathering, which is found in storytelling and listening and sharing meals and getting past the twitchy place. Dr. Towns reminded us that self-interest is strongly wired in us, especially when we get twitchy. And that brain goes, get safe now, shut it down. And she used the image of mountain climbing as a metaphor for our work. You know, let's get a little out of Episcopal comfort zone here. Let me just ask a question I really want you to answer. So just, you know, if you want to shout it out, I mean, those people that climb up to Everest and all those things, what do they do to climb that mountain? Just throw some stuff out. What do they do? Loosen your bodies up. It's okay. No one will, no one will record this video and say, look, they said an answer in a sermon in the Episcopal Church. Oh, my dear Jesus, help us. That's right. So what do they do? They train. Amen, brother. Thank you. They train. What else do they do? I'm sorry? Prepare. Acclimate. Bring oxygen. What else do they do? Get a Sherpa. I'm sorry, okay. Man, Episcopalians, you're getting it. Stand up and move your bodies. Get comfortable. I'm sorry. Life insurance policy. At least so the people after you have something to do something with. They find partners. And what do they do with those partners? They attach themselves to each other. They don't do it alone. Because to do it alone is death. And they know that attaching themselves means someone's going to slide and yank on the hole. And someday it's going to be you that's sliding, and someday it's going to be the other person. But they know if they don't stay attached, they die. And what she's saying is for us to do the work We've got to get attached to people. I mean, Jesus said that a long time ago. Paul said that a long time ago. Genesis said a long time ago. We're all one. But what we need to do is to intentionally attach ourselves if we're going to get through the twitchy questions and get past all the self-interest that says, shut it down, stay safe, let's just keep showing up here at All Souls and be happy and smile." And Kyle teaches some new hymns and we don't have to talk about the season of Easter ever again. But the season of Easter is calling us to let go of safety and let go of the world's definition of peace. And the season of Easter and our ancestors are saying, unless you get twitchy with us, you won't find resurrection in your midst. We are promised Jesus' peace. Jesus was never safe. He was honest. He asked the difficult questions. He made everybody twitchy. And a lot of folks kept coming to him because they kept finding in him a peace they couldn't find anywhere else, no matter how much people promised it or spent on it. And that's what season of Easter is asking us to do, to ask the twitchy questions, to discern between what is safety in the world's peace and what is Jesus' peace, to remember that the abode of God is right here in us and in every human being, that's what Easter's is calling us to remember and to do and to be. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit and baptism we said last week to those kids. So again, please don't believe in the world's peace because it is a death plan. But can we as a community find the courage to keep asking the twitchy questions, to ask the hard questions, the ones that make us uncomfortable, that don't make us feel safe at all? Because if we can ask those questions and stay present to them, then what our ancestors have told us is that like them, we will find ourselves right in the midst of the peace of Jesus.